Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, Season 19, Episode 1, welcome back. It's 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 like all the WRC teams, we've had a major reshuffle. Um, so our lineup is incredibly changed and I decided to let Ryan Champion be in charge of everything. Sat here for at least one minute waiting for him to ring. He never rang me, so we've reshuffled everything back the way it was before. So it's me at the top and me saying, hello Ryan Champion. I'm not sure any of what you just said was true, but hello, good to be back. It is good to be back. Hello, Jack Bennion. Hello, Tony Simpson. I'm Ryan Champion. I'm not entirely sure whether we could call you Jackie Boy Bennion anymore because you're all grown up now. Um, I don't think I don't think Jackie necessarily uh, links to a young person. Uh, it kind of did to me, Jackie Boy Bennion, the, the boy bit, I suppose. That's where I was probably going with it. It's just, it's just, it's just I, it, it, there's something popped up on social media which I shared the other day, which he didn't respond to in any way, shape, or form. Was your first appearance relating to the fir- your first appearance on this podcast four years ago this uh, very week? I hadn't seen that you shared that on social media. Sorry, but I'll, no, I didn't I'll share go, it. I just, sh- I shared that on our little group, but I got nothing. Nada. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. That's my uh, lack of attention span. But going back to your original point, uh, I still have the mental age of a five-year-old, so I just think you can still. You know, accurately call Perfect. me Jackie Boy that, that, that absolutely nails this podcast down to a T. And last but not least, of course, Trevor Agnew, the senior the state, elder one. statesman, the sensible one. Hello, Trevor Agnew. Hello, how are you? Does that mean that Jack was on the podcast when he was still in high school then? <clears throat> it, it kind of felt like it because yeah. he was he was young and fresh. He's, don't get me wrong, he's still incredibly young and fresh-faced compared <laughs> to all of us. That's that's. Let's have that clear. But, you know, now he's, 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 re- he's relaxed into the world, as it were. He's comfortable Another in the world. Another year of Formula One will certainly mature him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Roundy, roundy and all that. Well, how, how have you got me to roundy, roundy so soon, Trevor? Aren't you? On the brink of the biggest rally of the year. Is that right? Is it, it, Are we going to call it the biggest rally of the year, Trev? Well, it's the last time Jack is in Monte Carlo. I'm sure roundy, roundy things. That's the link. Yeah, true. True. Jack, would you have it? It's the biggest rally of the year or is it just, is it just one of those ones because it's the first one? It's, that, that's always a tricky one, and it's always Dad's personal opinion, isn't it? But I think uh, I think if you're going to argue that any one event is as big as the World Rally Championship, then I think Monte would be a, a good one to pick. Uh, Ryan, what's your what's your take on it? You've been out there, I've been out there. Um, I always think it seems bigger from the outside than what it, it does on the inside. If that makes sense. Uh, well, it is. It's an iconic, one of the iconic, if not the most iconic ones, the World Rally Championship, isn't it? And it's got that much history to it. Um, you know, so we'll talk about changeable conditions. Uh, but nonetheless, if you look at the history of it, normally the best driver shines on this rally. So uh, it, it's always very tough, but cream rises to the top more often than not, doesn't it? It does. And three minutes into the new season, we've managed to get the word iconic in. So well done. Well, this is definitely iconic, though. This is, this is <laughs> Monte Carlo Rally is fair and square iconic. <sighs> yeah, all right, I'll have that. I'll have that all day long, all day long. Um, between us, um, already this morning, we've been talking winners, losers, runners and riders and, and, and everything else. And to be fair, Trev, you're the one who, who kind of started this this morning by sharing betting odds with us, which I still find really odd talking about rallying in terms of betting odds. I know every other sport is, is kind of entrenched in, in it these days. I still find it, I don't know, it, it almost feels dirty to talk about betting odds when it comes to rallying to me. Oh, I don't know about that. When you had uh, Peter Solberg, I think it was 125 to 1 or whatever, and you had him for the title. It's worth keeping an eye on, I tell you, <laughs> uh, when you see the odds. Um, yeah, that was quite a big party in Wales that night. 
I suppose. I suppose. Um, uh, just just going to that. Obviously, we're now in the realms of teams have all settled down. Just obviously, the boys don't know because. I've still been working on the podcast um, while while they've been away sunning themselves in different parts of the world. Uh, Ryan obviously getting windburn in in Sweden. Are you, are you have you finally warmed up? By the way, Ryan. Um, don't really get windburn or cold because I don't want to go outside too much. No, that's a fair point. Fair point. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I, uh, coming up a bit later in the podcast, we've we've got Rich Milner who's talking about the M Sport lineup and obviously what happened. And we've also got uh, Florian Ruth as well, who's the head of WRC TV, talking about all live and the changes and everything else and what's gone on over the last couple of years. And, and to finish up, we've got Craig Parry talking about what he's up to and obviously his move over to Toyota Gazoo to do um, gravel notes um, over there as well. So we've got plenty of bits and pieces coming up with regards to, to, to Monte Carlo. But just talking about um, lineups and, and, and things now, Rye, I'll come to you first. I wanted to ask you with regards to, um, you know, the, the 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 super team, which is now being deemed to be to, to be high and die. I think it's hard to disagree that it is with when you look at the names. But is this one of those ones where we're now going to be trying to fit superstars in, and hopefully it, it all works? I, I'm still. I'm still a little bit old school with where I'm going with this. Sorry for for, for kind of going on because I'm asking you a question. And I realise I'm going on. There was always to me there was always your number one, your number two, and your your third car. And 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 this, whenever this kind of happens where it's kind of joint status, I'm never convinced. Uh, well, it's provided plenty of fireworks, hasn't it? In, in the history of the World Rally Championship, when we get competitive teammates, there's always excitement sooner or later. And, uh, you know, if if we see a situation where both Tierra Neville and Oitana uh, are fighting for the World Championship this year, it'll be great as a, you know, as an independent, as a, as a fan looking in because they will definitely provide fireworks. And, uh, you know, that, that team, as you, as you said, it's uh, it's an all-star team. They've got some fantastic drivers in there, but no mistake, they're two people that will fight for the World Championship. So um, I think it's great for us to uh, to watch what happens there. Uh, Jack, you, you've often offered a little bit of insight into Thierry Nouvelle as well. And, and obviously, um, you, you, I think it was only last towards the end of last season, you were saying, you know, he genuinely believes he is the the, the, the best driver. Do you see do you see him as, as relishing this opportunity? Yeah, I do, actually. I think that's why he's uh, he's been quite open about the fact that he's, you know, he's not too fussed about Oik coming in because I think, like, to be fair, all the drivers have got to believe that they're the best or, you know, they're, they're um, not proper, you know, top sportsmen, are they? If they're, you know, if they're there to think that they're not the best, then there's not much point in them being there, really. So uh, I think Jerry Nerville does, honestly, and, you know, he's not said in as many words, but I think he does believe and have confidence in his own ability that he is one of the best drivers out there. And I think, you know, Oik coming in is, you know, there's two ways to look at it. You know, people obviously talking about it from the point of view that, Thierry, um, you know, we're going to find out how good Thierry is compared to Oit. Obviously, Oit now reigning, you know, reigning champion coming into the team, but it's also going to give Thierry, you know, the opportunity to to prove his, you know, you know how good he is. So, as much as you're talking about it from a not you specifically, as much as we're talking about it from a negative perspective of, you know, there's going to be team orders and you know Thierry's going to have a, a world champion to fight against. At the same time, if he beats Oit, 
fair and square this season over the course of a year then it's going to add a lot of uh, you know kudos to his career because uh, you know it's, he's not often had the best car and you could argue there's years where you know um, there was there was 2017 when he threw the the Monty and the, the Sweden win away um, and, and got a bit unlucky in, in other places as well so you know there's times where his you know he, he has let his uh, guard down a little bit let's say and uh, you know slipped away a little bit in terms of fighting for the championship but I think there's also been times where he's not had the best car and he's uh, he's been coming up against people like uh, Auger in, in better machinery and um, you know if he can beat Tanaka you know, fair and square in the same car over the course of a season that's going to add a lot of you know to his, to his legacy in the WRC Trev does this give the also I suppose from Thierry's point of view there's kind of zero excuses there uh, in many ways um, you know obviously they won the manufacturers last year He's now seven years with the team. I think now he is the longest serving driver with a team in WRC. So, you know, he, he's kind of grown up in that team. <sighs> to me, it adds a, you know, it, it adds a pressure just kind of going a little bit away from what, from, from what Jack's just said in the fact that, you know, the, to me, there isn't, the, the, there isn't an excuse. No, I mean, I don't think he'd, uh, he'd look for an excuse either. Jack alluded to at the end of last year where, uh, and again, he just mentioned it for Thierry. He thinks he's the fastest driver. Um, he clearly, on, on that view, would say that the, the arse is quicker. So now that he's got Tannock in the team, exactly as Jack nailed it just now, it's going to be a fascinating fight between the two of them. Neville clearly has got an advantage because he knows the car and he, he, uh, he's been in that car a while. Monty's not the one, you know, if you're going to start in a new car, Monty's the rally to go to because you don't need to lean her as much as you would in other rallies. Um, it's more tactical a lot of the time tire choice and, and just being wise uh, but it's going to be really fascinating just to see the battle between the two and how it all unfolds um, it's definitely a surprise you know, it was a surprise to everybody at Tannock decided to give up the best car last year to go into a car that you know is quick but uh, I still think the Toyota's got the edge on it and in the hands of Ogier which I'm sure we'll get to in a second it's going to be uh, it's going to be the like for me starts clear favourite in the championship, and um, if Neville is going to win a championship, this is the year to win it. When the kudos will go with that, it will certainly help him renegotiate wherever team goes to if he can beat Tannock in the same equipment. You, you kind of neatly led me to where to some degree I did want to go to, and I was going to come to, to come to Rye first. Um, you know, Trev's just obviously mentioned about Ogier, Ogier and Toyota. Um, was it a complete and utter surprise to you um, that, you know, they have got nobody, no carryover from, from last season? Um, uh, yes, to, to a degree. Um, and, you know, it's interesting the way it happened, isn't it? Because uh, Oitanak, you know, Trevor just mentioned it, you know, Oitanak arguably has just given up the... the fastest car to, to move into one that's probably equally as fast but maybe just not as consistent or hasn't been until this point and uh, you know we, we've been through what, what might have led Tanak to that decision but once Tanak left that left the Toyota Gazoo Rally team in a strange situation because they were suddenly the team with an incredible budget the fastest car but no proven World Championship fighting. You know, nobody who was in that, that top three or has been in that top three for the last few years fighting for, for the championship. And actually, I think, honestly, they were quite lucky to get Auger from Citroën. And, and it's put them in a great position again. But um, if it had just been, you know, Elvin, we hope, can maybe start to fight for the championship. 
Um, I'm sure we'll see Robin Perry doing that in the future, but they, they could have been starting this year's World Championship without uh, a proven number one, which would have been strange for a team of that stature given their current position. So, you know, I, uh, yes, it's, it is uh, quite a surprise that they've got no carryover, and I think they're very lucky to have as strong a lineup as they have. I think there's a little bit of carryover, though, and that they've got Yari Mari Lapsu as co driver, and they're still doing some work for them. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Mr. Hannon. Yeah, and I think they've still got the same truck driver as last year, Trevor. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that'd be fine. Jack, just, just coming to you, obviously, you know, all this stuff adds stories. I suppose from a, from a journalistic point of view, um, you know, a, a new team, new lineups, and everything else just gives you so much more to kind of go at. There's so much more kind of meat on the bone to go at. Well, I think, um, I, I don't know if this is the thought process because I've not spoke to, to Tommy about this, but if I was, um, you know, if I was a team boss, which God help the WRC if I was a team boss, but <laughs> if I was, um, I would think I'd be thinking about this very analytically. And if you look at last year's lineup, obviously Oit's gone. So that's a, that's a tick off. You don't need to worry about that. There's nothing you can do about that. He's, he's gone. So what do you do? go and find the best driver in the WRC and put him in your car, which they've done with Ogier. Um And then the other two drivers, they had, they had Chris and Yari. So the two problems there were they didn't get enough consistency out of Yari and, and Chris. So they've signed Elvin Evans, who's one of the most consistent drivers in the WRC. Um, I think they would have gone for Danny Sordo, but he re-signed with Hyundai and enjoys his part-season deal rather than doing a, a full-time season. And I don't think Tommy wanted to throw money at Sordo to do a whole year, knowing that he might not be completely motivated to do the year so if you can't have Sordo Evans is arguably one of the most consistent drivers out there and then the other problem with Yari and Chris is you've got a 40 year old driver and a 34 year old driver in your team where's the next driver coming from obviously oh, it's gone Sebastian Ogier has confirmed that he's only, only doing one more year in the WRC get Cali in for a year of experience and hopefully he's in a position you know the year later to, to, to fight for, for wins and maybe even the championship depending on how quickly he heads into that team so uh, I think for me, uh, obviously there's no there's no carryover from last year, but for me it's it's Tommy rectifying the problems that they had with with last year's team. Hey, do you know what? You you, you just kind of hit the nail where I wanted to go with this. You're doing very well on this podcast. Well done, Jack. Um, Thank you. <laughs> do we feel to some degree that not only is Toyota, um, but also Hyundai, and I suppose to some degree M Sport. They all seem to be treading water for 12 months. And let me kind of quantify that a little bit. I think it's, you know, obviously we, we've got Rich coming up talking about EP later on. He doesn't confirm or deny this and we didn't even get into this, but obviously the, the, the story goes, um, that EP's still paid by, by Citroen. So obviously there's a deal to be done there for, for M Sport to, to get him in. Uh, Hyundai. You know, I think we debated towards the end of last year whether this would be um, Sebastian Loeb's uh, final year. And again, you look at, obviously, we've just been talking about, you, you've just mentioned there, Jack, with regards to Sebastian Ogier having one more year. So it's almost like everybody is treading water, boys, for, for the next 12 months, isn't it? I don't know. I, I think that's, it's, it's a difficult one. I think, um, I think we've just got to a point where... Um, Obviously, drivers are moving around and, and everyone's sort of scrambling for seats. But I think I don't know how much is going to going to change after this year, really. I think um, obviously Oje is going to go and that's going to leave a seat in, in Toyota. Um, and yeah, like you said, you know, it might be Sebastian Loeb's last year and there's a, a few other drivers who are starting to, to age a little bit, might want to do part programs or, or call their time on, on a WRC career. So maybe, maybe there is an element of, of treading water. But I think, you know, not, there's not really that 
luxury that'll be our city. You can't really afford to have it. You know, you can see how things, you see how things change so quickly. Was you know, look at Sebastian Oje from 17, 18, winning the championship with M Sport, and now M Sport, you know, have gone a year without a win, um, and and really struggled last year, and, and now they're fielding a pretty, uh, you know, inexperienced lineup to a certain extent. You know, I think. Team who's really got to step up this year uh, and really perform. You know, it's not really the, the excuse of um, you know being a rookie anymore. And you know, arguably his best pace last year was on tarmac, so you can't really argue that he's a you know gravel expert for Finland Eva or anything like that. And as a Pekka's coming off the coming off the back of a you know a difficult year with Citroen, where you know arguably Sebastian Ojo was getting the best out of that car because he's the best driver in the WRC, and that made Lappy look worse than he probably is. But, you know, the season before that with Toyota was really off-colour as well, so he's got a lot to prove this year. He's not just going in there because he's set for his future now, and he's a, he's a, a Tanak, Nerville, Ogier character who's just nailed on to be a, a leading driver in the WRC team. He's got to go out this year and prove that he can lead a team, and, and he is that quality of driver. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting year for sure, and I think there's, there's uh, you know, there's, there, there is... There's not much time to tread water in the WRC. I don't think anyone's really capable of doing that because you just don't get the opportunity. Right. Were you um, were you surprised, obviously, when 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 the music stopped and everybody sat down and everything else? Um, Chris Meek gave a very candid, I suppose, um, piece interview because he was out on Dakar. Obviously, pretty much confirming, I suppose, what a lot of people were saying that you know th- th- this is probably it now. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was a big surprise, was it? Uh, you know, it's, it's just a, such a shame that, uh, that maybe the Toyota thing didn't work out better for him, but it is what it is. He, he had a year with, uh, you know, a fantastic car, but there just didn't seem to be a seat for him. We know he, he didn't have any uh, any sponsorship or was unlikely to even want to find any sponsorship in the way that the, the younger drivers have. Um, you know, and, and obviously he needs a salary out of it. And, and so there just wasn't going to be something for him, which is... It's a shame, you know, there's, there's so many of us that are meat fans and he had so much excitement to the championship, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, but then when you, uh, when you listen to his interviews and, uh, you know, his, his presence in Dakar, like you said, he, he was with Toyota still, he's still talking Toyota and, uh, you know, talking to them about a possibility for, for Dakar, but even beyond that, it still seems like he hopes there might be some testing with the the WRC team but um, yeah I think I think as Jack just said it, it's an interesting period now where we're obviously seeing Yari Matty Latvala stepping back from a full time seat Chris like we said there'll be in here maybe Loeb maybe Sordo so you know we are going to finally see some uh, some fresh blood and young drivers in these in these teams going forward Trev uh, again just, just just carry on from what from what Rise just said um, I, I, Jack put me straight. I still believe to some degree that we've kind of got this year of, it, it almost feels like a year of transition to me. That's, that, that's me. Maybe I should have said that. I know Jack had his opinion. What's your take on it? I think next year is going to be more of a transition year than this year because, uh, there are so many drivers that will be running out of contract and, uh, with 2022 and we're starting to see Malcolm Wilson talk about one, million euro rally car in 2022 if it's down the route of what the provisional regs are looking at which is ridiculous you know so I think if you're by a Yaris which you can't <laughs> that would be a major already. concern and more of a transition year certainly next year I think and that'll be a bigger worry for me than this year this year's looking really strong I think and uh, 
I don't think anybody's seen it as transition. I think they're just uh, very excited and they're glad to have it's from for our point of view to have this mix up and everybody moving around is just going to be brilliant when I get into proper pace. You know, forget about Monty and, and even Sweden to a point, and you get to Mexico. That's when we'll see the true uh, speed of everybody. I think. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, um, one thing that has happened, of course, is that we we unfortunately lost. Uh, Rally Chile as well, which has kind of slipped by the wayside a little bit, Jack. I know you guys obviously I put a couple of reports out about it. It was going to be around also. Um, I, I thought it was slightly left field, but I could see why they were doing it because I know the people were over on GB from Rally Chile. It was also going to be um, the uh, around of the Junior World Rally Championship. Unfortunately, due to political unrest, we don't have Chile now, uh, which g- gives us a bit of a gap and it hasn't been replaced. Yeah, um, done a good job of something out really. I don't really know what, what much more to add than that. It's got, I thought Chile was quite, um, you know, obviously I wasn't there last year, but the, the, the pictures looked really cool and it looked like, um, you know, from the pictures that the, the event had a lot of character and the, you know, the drivers um, are usually uh, either very vocal. Well, not either. They, you know, if they if they don't like an event and it's the first time they're going there, they're very vocal about that fact. And and that wasn't the case with with Chile last year. They all seem to enjoy it. So it, it, you know, it's part of that quite nice South American leg of the the calendar, isn't it? So yeah, shame to see it drop off. But you know, I don't think it's out of the question that it could return in the future. At the minute, um, obviously, a lot of the a lot of the civil unrest has uh, you know affected that and 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 took it out of the out of the calendar sort of uh, you know without anything that WRC could really could really do about it because obviously the safety of the, the spectators and all of the crews and all of the staff that work in the WRC is, is paramount there really um, Trev I was I was shocked and I wasn't kind of shocked because purely from a logistical point of view trying to put an additional event in especially a long haul one was not really going to be possible and, and I suppose uh, to some degree the one the events that have been dropped from from last year um, they kind of, they, they probably were never going to come back this year, really, because it takes so much to, to to get an event up and running, and investment and local, you know, local authorities and things like that. So a shorter calendar was the the right way to go. Yeah, money, really simple. Um, if uh, you'd give up and you thought, okay, we can't run a rally in twenty twenty, then uh, you just back down, you lose all the contacts and and. And really, they're struggling. Uh, I think a lot of the ones that were dropped anyway financially to to get in there. So um, I I wasn't surprised that like a Spain was rumored to come back and that it's not there because of that. Yeah, uh, Rai, you you obviously you've been involved in organising events, not necessarily WRC events, but what do you think now is required to to become part of the World Rally Champion? What do you think the criteria really is, apart from money, which is which is the the, the big thing? What's gonna What's gonna pull in the World Rally Championship now into into new areas? Um, yeah, excluding money, like you said, I mean, it's always the big factor. Um, we still want to see a, a World Championship, don't we? And we, we keep going on about it. Um, uh, you know, China is still somewhere that, that the championship needs to visit from a uh, a manufacturer point of view. We want North America back one way or another. Um, and you know, for me, these are the these are the places. It's great that Summit Championships going back to Japan. We've talked about Africa uh, an awful lot, and uh, we want it to be a World Championship. We want to see these these countries in. I mean, Chile, Chile was a good addition, and it's always nice to see a new rally in it. I think it highlights just how repetitive most rounds the World Championship have got now, because we saw drivers struggling with their personals because they were having to make new personals. Drivers have got so used to watching their onboards, their in-cars for previous years, 
um, that, it's, that it's become easy for them. So, you know, I think new rallies are, are an important uh, part of the World Championship and changing up the route for that very reason. But uh, for me, we need to, um, you know, finally nail off these areas that we're not visiting to, to make it a true World Championship. Jack, do you think we'll ever be back in a position where maybe the calendar will rotate, which we've spoke about before? I've spoke to a couple of people, obviously, over in Australia with regards to this, and obviously the Australia and New Zealand one, you know, the, the, the beauty at the time, they shared the same sponsor, so it wasn't particularly uh, that big a deal. But do you think we need to have some kind of rotation? Uh, that's a difficult one, really. Um, I guess that depends what you're uh, expecting from the f- or what you're trying to give. Um, various elements of the championship. I think you know it's quite easy to. It's always been quite easy in the, in the modern era to divide the WRC up into into two elements. You've got the spectators, the fans, and the people going to the rallies, and the people at home watching on TV. And then you've got the you know the manufacturers that are paying for the, the teams to be there and what they want. So you know quite, you know a few of the manufacturers would love it if the WRC was a ten round Chinese championship to a certain extent because. That's where they're selling a lot of cars, and that's what what would be best for them. Obviously, that's not going to happen, and there, there, there needs to be some variation there. Um, and then, obviously, the spectators want to go to places like New Zealand, where car manufacturers don't want to go because they, you know they don't sell enough cars there for it to to make it interesting. So, you've always got this balance against the manufacturers in the championship and what the fans and spectators, who are you know the consumers at the end of the day, are, are taking in. I think a lot of it depends on the the actual situation that the championship's in at any one time obviously you know if you if, if you're booming with manufacturers then you're more likely to get more events in and, and need to rotate more because different manufacturers are going to go on to want to go to different places to sell cars so yeah i think a lot of it depends on the landscape of the championship and obviously we've got um you know we've got ford kind of half involved at the minute and then we've got you know toyota and uh, hyundai it's nice to see uh, you know, a few more manufacturers coming in for the 2022 regulations, but I think we're, uh, I think we've got a ginormous elephant in the room at the minute that is what Malcolm Wilson said basically that we, you know, we're going to have very, very expensive World Rally cars um, that don't necessarily need to be that expensive, in my opinion. We've seen a lot of other areas of motorsport now hybrid their cars pretty cheaply. Um, obviously, not cheap, but to you know, to a, an amount of money that's acceptable to that championship, relevant to its costs and and what you get back out of it. So, it's an interesting couple of years for the WRC, and I think a lot of the calendar will be reflected by who does the championship and and who's pulling the strings to that extent. Okay, okay. Well, I didn't plan to go down this particular route, but it's always a good debate as well with regards to calendars and things like that. And obviously, the sad loss of, of, of Chile kind of prompted that. But it is Rally Monte Carlo this weekend, boys. Um, we are at the point now where we make complete and utter tools of ourselves by trying to make a prediction. Now, um, I'm going to put them on the table, so to speak, um, because we had a bit of a text conversation, of course, about this before, boys. And I'm going to just basically tell our listeners what I said. And I basically went with low for the win. That's all I'm going. I'm not going to go top three. I'm just going to go low win. There you go. Wow. That is that is nuts on the table, isn't it? It is. Uh, Jack Bennion, as you spoke, go. Uh, Oje, easy. Okay. Ryan Champion. Uh, unfortunately, I'm just going to have to do the same and, and go Oje, but I think Thierry Neville will be right there. And I actually think Thierry Neville might edge Tanak on this first round. Uh, Trevor Agnew. Exactly the same as Mr. Champion, Ogier, Neville and Tanak. So I'm just and the odd, all, all I'm three of you need to get your fantasy WRC teams in so that we can enshrine this in uh, a bit of uh, tactical play as well. I've got no idea how to do it. 
I'll do it for you if you tell me who you want. Okay. Uh, so what have I got to do? Tell me what I've got to do. Tell me six drivers. Yeah. And you can only spend a certain amount of money, and I'll get okay. it all over to you a bit later on, and I'll set your team up for you. Okay. Uh, do, do you want me to just drop you an email with the six drivers or the text with six drivers? Because this is going to be this is this is crap audio, really, isn't it? It, it is crap audio. Yeah. Let's let's move on. Okay. Cool. Um, you right. finished your admin, yeah. Yeah, finished. We're, we're now we're now at any other business, boys. Our first any other business of 2020. Um, so we've had quite a lot of time to mull on this. So Ryan Champion, I'm going to go with you first. Uh, my first bit of any other business is all credit to Thierry Neville for um, donating to charity on every single round of the World Rally Championship this year. He's giving uh, €2,000 to a, a local charity on each event. If he finishes on the podium, he's giving €4,000. If he wins the rally, he gives €10,000 to that chosen charity. Wow. I just think it's a fantastic initiative. And all credit to him for doing it. Um, on Monte Carlo, he's back in uh, a French children's charity called uh, Revers. Um, and he's picking a charity for, for each round of the World Championship. So I just think it's you know, an amazing thing to do. And uh, all credit to him. Bravo. So that's my first, uh, my first part of my in business. Uh, second part is, uh, is one of our listeners to the show. So anti form uh, it gets faster now. So there's a famous word from, from Bill Mills. That's uh, the name of his blog. And he pointed out that uh, Kelly Robin Perry has set a new record on stage nine of the Arctic Rally for highest average speed of the new generation of World Rally cars at uh, 143.9 kilometres an hour, which beat one tonight's record from the Estonia Rally from last year. Um, so, you know, very high average speeds we're expecting to see, we know from, from these cars, and that's, that's a new record. And uh, I'm sure the FIA will be uh, keeping an eye on that through the season as usual. <laughs> chicane! Chicane! Uh, yeah, average <laughs> speed, which is obviously, speed, yeah, which is obviously really important when it comes to safety. Average speed, <laughs> how ridiculous! Go on, Jack, you go. Am I next? Well, yes. uh, both of my uh, any other businesses. Well, there's only one really, but kind of I'm going to set mine up for next week as well. So I need a bit of audience participation. So the only other business that I was going to do, which I tasked you boys with, and I'm also and now. I did my research. So keep this keep this, for next, keep this for next week, boys, because I'm going to do a different one instead. But the only business that I asked the lads for over Christmas was, what is the best nickname in rallying? Past or present? Drivers, cars, events, ah. whatever you like. That was the that was what I tasked the boys with. So absolute rally listeners, I want you to think about that yourselves and come up with something next week because I'm I'm going to do that in full next week with the boys. But something else happened after this which made me switch my other business. So I quite like car numbers. Uh, whether it's number plates, door numbers, uh, anything like that. And I know some of you boys uh, like your number plates and stuff like that as well. Um, but the number thing uh, interested me because Oit Tanak has not taken the number one this year, which I'm sure everyone knows. He's taken number eight, which is his regular number. Lewis Hamilton does the same thing in F1. He keeps 44, doesn't take number one. But it always used to be a bit of a... You know, a bit of a, a centerpiece on your car if you had the number one. Always a bit of a, you know, look at me, I'm number one. I've got the number one on my car type situation. So... Um, I went back to try and look when when was the last time that someone didn't run with a number one in the season because someone has pretty much always run with number one on the Monty um, to start the season but then often the numbers would change based on where the drivers had finished in that, that event the year before or which 
uh, or the event previously or depending on when they were seeded. So I've managed to go back to 1994 as the last year I could find someone not using 19, uh, the number one and that was UR Kankanen. So obviously he won the championship in 1993 and then in 94 he didn't use the number one on every rally while he was driving for Toyota in the season that Didier Aurel won the championship. So I'm tasking absolutely rather listeners to go back and have a look and see if you can find any other, any other examples since 94 to see if I'm right or not or whether I've got it wrong and there's someone else who's used other numbers in the year. But I think since 95, um, obviously which would have been Aurel, since then the, the, num- the number one's always been used by the champion for the whole season. So if you can find any other examples of that and then fire them in and let's see what we've got. There you go. There you go. That made my head hurt, listeners. I'm going to have to re-listen to that, to be honest with you. But no, I I think I got it. I think I got it. Um, Right, um, Trevor Agnew, you're any other business? That's a sterling piece of research by Jack Banyan. It is. It's it's outstanding. I'll be honest with you. I feel a bit bit stupid. I can go through the years if you want. I thought he was really busy, but clearly not. Um, There's a whole list starting in 1983 if you want me to go through it. No. No, I definitely don't. (laughs) I don't have enough life. Um, so uh, my any other business is just an absolute rally we like to give back and you might be surprised Tony to learn that it's two years ago when we introduced the coaching series uh, so anybody it's new to the years. podcast wow. two years yeah February uh, in 2018 was the first one uh, so anybody who's new to the podcast or even those people who listen quite a bit if you want a bit of a refresher start of your season start of your year just have a think a little bit more clearly about what your goals are uh, we did a coaching series that lasted 10 weeks. It started uh, on the 21st of February, 2018. So if you go on the Absolute Rally website, you can stick in the dates. Season 11, episode 4, if you want to be exact. And from there, we did 20 minutes every week for 10 weeks just to uh, to help people perform a little bit better. And we had a lot of good feedback at the time. So uh, that's my only other business to start with. Jeff, can, I, can I just come in there? Maybe you need to do a session with us on uh, on podcasting and, you know, it's sticking to our goals. And, and then we might be able to make a sensible podcast one week. That would be impossible, really, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, see, I see what you did there. You're just having a bit of a, you're just having a, bit of a pop at me, aren't you, Ryan Champion? No, no, I think we all go off on a tangent, in fairness. I don't mean to trust you, Tony. Well, uh, no, I, I'm t- I've took it personally. It's okay. <laughs> that's the appeal. <laughs> that's, that's why people like it. That's um, why people like it. I was, I was going to say, I can't believe it's over half an hour before one of us has managed to upset one another, but we managed to do it before the podcast even started, between Ryan Champion and Tony Simpson having a right pop at each other before we even started recording. So that's a great way to start. <laughs> Well, that's great. Don't, aggression and wins every time. Don't, uh, don't, don't, that, that's why the intro was the way the intro was done. It was passive aggressive intro. As well. <laughs> to, be fair, to be fair, that's exactly the amount of rage I would expect from both of you if you checked in a minute earlier or a minute later into a, into a time control. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty much how it would go down. Um, my other business uh, this week is um, it's 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 just an, I'm just going to say a name and. I just want to get a reaction from, 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 from all of you. I'm just going to say his name. Andreas Mickelson. Ryan Champion. Um, well, he's been, he's been on social media a lot with the, uh, the Norwegian uh, motorsport team. Hasn't he been doing his fitness work? But, uh, yeah, will we see him? Don't know. I saw him still at the, uh, at the Hyundai dinner there the other week, so he's obviously still got some relationship there. Jack? 
I cannot believe he's not got a WRC seat of some shape or form. Just as, you know, last season he was scored the same amount of points per rally as Elvin Evans did and finished fourth in the championship. And he's been rewarded by, uh, you know, Elvin. Deservedly so, he's got a seat with, you know, with the best the best team and the best car in the WRC and Mickelson's without a seat. And I, I just can't understand that logic. Trevor Agnew. He'll be back. There you go. In true Terminator fashion. Um, I, I, do you know what? I hope he is. I just, I, I kind of just, Following on from what, from what Jack's just said, but again, I'm going to go. I'm going to go back to what I said before. This year, I think there's a lot of drivers who are prepared, you know. And I suppose you could put the likes of Craig Breen and drivers like that in this category, who are waiting for the Sebs to retire. I just think that's the only thing, the only option they've now got, and I think that's why we've got quality drivers like that sat on the sidelines waiting for their opportunity. That's just my personal opinion, anyway. Um, boys. Um, and that's it. That's episode one, season 19. That's This is our preview for, for Rally Monte Carlo, even though, as ever, it does go off on tangents, but it does get a little bit more focused a little bit later on with some of our guests. Um, as I mentioned before, we've got Florian Ruth coming up next. Uh, Rich Milner, I apologise now for the poor signal. You would think he was out testing somewhere. He wasn't. He was just at M Sport in the workshop. And for some reason, we just couldn't get a great signal. So it's a little bit sketchy at times. So just bear with us on that because it is really worth tuning in for anyway. Um, so, um, Ryan Champion, uh, you back same time, same place in, in with I us next week? We'll be. I'll, I'll be with you next week. Probably from Snowy uh, Street again next week, but I'll be here. Happy days. Uh, Jack Bengen? I will. I'll be here and I look forward to it if you'll have me back. I can't wait. I don't Jack, we're four years in now. You don't have to say that. I still feel like I have to prove myself every week. <laughs> to be fair, mate, you've done really. I, I reckon if, if, if it was a seeded, if, if, if the four of us were seeded today, I think you'd be number one. <laughs> no, definitely not. I think, I think uh, Ryan Champion's performance on the Absolute Rally podcast quiz with Tony Pond means that he's like, he's like double zero, zero, and one altogether, I reckon. Okay, point taken, point taken. Uh, just just to reiterate the point, the quiz is now over. Can you stop sending me names of rally drivers with the first and second? No, you started it, and you said any time uh, all the way through, you said. So <laughs> I'm, I'm taking that to be life. <laughs> in, in 30 years' time, you're just going to get a text message. It's just going to be something like Tina Turner, and you to, you'll just have to deal with it. Oh, you're simply the best. That right. was my first one as well. I know it was. I know. Uh, Trevor, are you with us next week? Mad for it. Mad for it. I love it. I know why you've said that. Because you're going to be tweeting something later today, which is Wednesday, um, about a certain group of boys from Manchester. Anyway, without further ado, folks, thank you um, for the love. Uh, by the way, all the way through Christmas, sending us some bits and pieces. We've even had some messages from people who receive, who've only just received mugs believe it or not. Uh, nothing to do with us, but they've been away working in the armed forces and they've come back and just to send a little thank you to us. Uh, so all the kind comments, really, really do appreciate it. Um, if you can share this about folks, that's all I ever ask. Just share the love a little bit. It would be great. And if you can do uh, reviews on iTunes, again, it really does make a difference. Anyway, uh, without further ado, folks, we're going to go to a little break and then we're going to come back with the head of WRC TV talking all live and what's going to be happening this year with it in Florian Ruth. This is Absolute Rally. Whether it's the pressures of service or an issue out on the stages, it's vital to have the right equipment to hand. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for the world of motorsport and are being used throughout all forms of competition. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. 
Welcome back to Absolute Rally. And uh, I wanted to, uh, our next, the next, next guest we've got is, is somebody I've kind of wanted to get for a while because we've all watched rallying through, in my eyes, his eyes. And the reason why is because it's Florian Ruth who's the head of WRC TV. And Florian, first and foremost, welcome to Absolute Rally. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's, it's, it's great for having me because that, I think that's a fair assessment, isn't it? We've, we've kind of probably watched rallying through your eyes. Because, and I'm, I know you have directors and stuff like that, but I'm guessing, you know, you, you, you do have quite a lot of the say on what shots are getting streamed. As, as you said, I have directors who in the moment take the decision, but before we go on air, obviously I have a lot of briefings. I have a lot of meetings. We do a lot of recce's by ourselves. So we kind of know before we capture the shot, how it, how it will look like. So I, I do have a lot of saying in this, yes. It, it, can, I, can I ask you, before you came, I know you were with, you were Red Bull Media before you were at WRC TV. Was, was, was rally new to you or was it a sport that you were familiar with? Because, you know, we, we, it, it, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? You know, do you come to it from um, a professional's point or do you come to it from a fan's point of view or are you kind of somewhere in between now? Yeah, I... I actually, yeah, I come, I've, I've been producing television for, for many years now, but, um, I, I don't come from a motorsport world and I don't come from a rally world. I've been following the rally. I, I knew about the rally, um, when I was, was younger, obviously, as a lot of our fans, uh, I've also played, uh, the, the Colin McRae game, um, <laughs> on, on the PlayStation and, uh, and obviously, I've I've been following the rally, and um, for for Red Bull, the rally has has always been a, a very very big topic, and um, so I've been uh, been following all the Loeb era, and um, yeah, and 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 knew the sport, but obviously looking from it from the outside, and and being in the circuit, and and producing rally are two totally different things. So I have to say. To for me to learn rally to really understand rally took a while. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I can imagine. Listen, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. Every, <laughs> uh, every day's a school day. Every day's a school day. You've just it, mentioned it you, is, and and every rally when you think now you know everything, something new comes up. Is it a new rule? Is it uh, a new part of history of the rally? There's at every event I learn something new. Believe me. Uh, you've just mentioned, and, and I can well believe it, you've just mentioned, of course, about the recce, of course. We've got some new events this year. When do you start getting into your psyche of, um, you know, okay, we, we've got some new events. How how far in advance would you perhaps start checking out, you know, Japan and, and Safari and things like that? When the, when they were announced, how quickly were you already planning a, of perhaps going out in advance? Do you have people who go out in advance or do you literally just when you when you get there all your recce works done the week before no our planning almost starts in parallel with the with the overall rally planning so we had members of my team already at the at the test events or at the candidate events um and then we do a comprehensive recce about three to four months out where we our teams drive all the stages we measure the distances. We look at the airports. We look at the compounds. Um, 
we we look at the geographics and where we do our planning, which is almost as complicated as uh, the recce is for the drivers. I'm I'm gonna uh, to me this is going to be a really this is a lazy assumption by me and I take this on the chin but out of the events that you've been involved with while you've been in the position that you're in now is it fair to say the upcoming safari event that because which we've all been you know crying out for to come back to the calendar is that going to be the, the toughest event you think you'll have been involved in so far? Um, it definitely will be will be one of the tougher ones. Um, but uh, to be fair, when also in, in the past and in my career, always when you think that's a really tough event, then the next one comes and <laughs> it, it even gets tougher. So it's, it's hard to say. I think overall nothing in, in my career and also in, in the global world of broadcasting, the project we're, we're doing with all life to produce every moment, to produce every stage live since two seasons now. I think this overall is one of the toughest outdoor productions um, in, in, in global television. To deliver this throughout the year at 13 uh, rallies a year, that's, that is quite tough. So whatever I've done in, in the past, and I've produced some complicated events, but this one is definitely the toughest. I don't, you, you took me to where I wanted to go there, so thank you for that. I was just about to ask you, do you think the outside world, because, you know, and, and we're, you know, we're, we're all banging the drum, we all want to raise the profile of rally, that's why we do what we all do. Uh, but in some ways, it still can be, you know, the, 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 perhaps the smaller sibling to some, some other motorsports around the world. Do you think people genuinely realize, you know, just what is going on and how big a deal what you guys are doing with All Life? Um. I think more and more people do understand and more and more people um, appreciate what what we're doing. I think in the first year when we launched our life, a lot of people thought that's impossible. So a lot of people were critical and were, were waiting and, uh, you know, didn't really think that we can deliver what we promised. Um, a year later, so last season, it looked already totally different. So a lot of people, especially... The community, the hardcore fans, everybody really were with us. They were really supportive. They really enjoyed all life. And, um, yeah, and, and that's the base. And, uh, we still have big plans with all life. Um, but it is, it is a beast. So to produce every moment, not to miss a moment, uh, to produce every stage, that is, that is quite a challenge. And, uh, me and my team, we're working very, very hard to, to deliver our promise. Live you was a bit of a game changer, wasn't it? I guess from a technology point of view to be able to do that. Um, it's not only live view, but uh, live view is one of the aspects. It's uh, just the, uh, the development of technology, new codecs made it possible. Um, we work um, with a, with a codec similar or the same codec as, as other motorsport series like, the MotoGP work with as well. This codec just allows us to deliver larger files over, over huge distances in a very, very, very good quality. And, um, all this, just the advancing technology over the last couple of years allowed us to, to do this. As you know, and you've been in, in railing, um, a lot or a long time, even you know that 
life at the rally always was like the holy grail. And it started a bit in the last five, six years to produce one, maybe two, sometimes three stages live. Um, but the idea and the vision to produce a whole rally live was, was, was there already 10 years ago. But the way we, we designed it not to be just a traditional TV linear product to produce it really as a digital product. What we then make also available for, for traditional linear TV. This, this approach was completely new and the te technology which came up in the last two or three years made it possible. And the technology back to your question was not only live view, um, the technology we're still relying to and uh, at the moment, the only possible way for us is completely RF radio frequencies across the way. Wow. Because you've just said on something that just kind of struck me because I suppose historically um, broadcast TV was produced and then converted, I suppose, into digital format, you know, albeit for two or three minute videos or whatever it may be to be shared on social media. Whereas now we're doing it the complete reverse where we're producing digital content, which is then being converted into, you know, standard terrestrial TV, um, you know, programs. So I've not really thought about that. So, so it is really, it's, it's a complete role reversal from what we've had in the past. It is. It is. And, wow. you know, the point with all life is when, when I joined Rally um, four years ago, when, when I came to the first races, I was impressed by the size and the scale and the dynamic and the emotions at the rally. But what I, what I really missed was to, to see and to feel and to understand what's going out, out at the stages. Just to, to see a monitor with split times doesn't emotionalize anybody. And when you hear there's a new leader, there's an incident happened, there was a crash. There was something going on, and you know that our teams capture the footage out there. Then we gotta fly it with a helicopter somewhere, bring it back on a on a on a motorbike courier to, to base, ingest it, edit it, upload it. This took hours. And four years ago, all the fans were already at the stages with their mobile phones and had uh, the moment on on YouTube hours before we even got to see the footage. And that was the start and the base where, where me and my team, we said, that's not the future. We need to be up, up to the future at Formula One. Now with their change of, of strategy being, mm. being up to date, being mobile, being social, MotoGP, um, that's what, what we're up against. And the fans expect from us the same when they, when they hear a tweet or, or see a tweet about a moment, they want to see what's going on. And that was the base. We said we need a system to capture everything live and out of this continuous live stream. We do all other products. We do linear TV. We do highlight programs. We do TV news. We do all the web and social features. But first, we need to be there. We need to be there with the drivers and deliver the moment as they happen. And that was the base, how we had designed all live. Do you know, I, I was just about to say, and just even listening to the, the, the emotion, even in your voice there is, is the, the storytelling process, which this also uh, allows you to, to, to actually do as well, because that's the thing that 
as somebody that's invested in rally and of course all our listeners are normally invested in, in rally as well and have been for various amounts of their lives is that we we can relate to stuff quite instantly whereas when you're trying to bring people in and trying to get people to buy into um the story and what people are going into you've now got the platform to do that where perhaps we've struggled to do that in the past absolutely rally is an absolute incredible sport and the drivers are the most talented drivers in the world and what they deliver day in day out is just absolutely phenomenal but to transport this absolute talent of the drivers to a wider audience has been very difficult in the past and if you have not been involved in rally or um, have ha- had been a fan before, then it's very, very, or was in the past, I think, very hard to get one. But but now with social media, with all life, where you really don't have to follow all the 25 hours, but you get all the moments, you you um, you just don't 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 miss a miss a thing, neither on social nor on all life. You just, whenever you have a moment, you tune in and uh, you get exactly delivered what's happening right now. You get the best moments and and everything. And this brings it also to an audience who have not naturally been rally fans before. Uh, this this brings, brings rally also closer to a general motorsport audience who really like the action, who like the drama. And I mean, rally is quite, a rally weekend is long. So they are half days there are stages where let's say nothing dramatic happens and then it can get quite boring but if you if you tailor make this and and make it attractive for a wider audience then the whole weekend of rallying is just absolutely incredible who would you say and you know you've just been you know everything you've just said i completely and utterly agree with and this this may sound like a bit of a deep question and i suppose it is for me because i i like to go a little bit deep every now and who do you think the, narrat- the, the narrators now of the story? Is it the drivers? Is it the co-drivers? Is it the stage end guys? Is it the studio guys? Who are the narrate? Who who would you say now narrates the story of, of 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 the WRC weekend? That's a good question. The main the main narrator for sure are the drivers. I mean, they tell the story. Whatever the drivers do is our red line. Um, who wins the stages, who does well on the stages, who takes the lead, who has an accident, who gets in a good position for, uh, for power stage points, for, for the overall standing. This all, this whole story is more or less, um, defined by, by the driver and, and, and the co-driver. But, but we, from a media perspective, we have a, um, a lot of voices to, to, to tell the story and obviously, um, the stage end reporter is an absolute key position in our team because this is an absolute unique, unique moment in, uh, in, in, in rallying to hear minutes, sometimes seconds, uh, after the stage to directly hear what the driver has to say. Was it a good stage? Was it a bad stage? Did he give everything he could or was there a mistake? We, uh, might even have missed or just little details with the cars. We, you know, we can't know about all this is absolutely essential. But then obviously besides stage and reporter, our, our whole other crew, they're involved in the storytelling as well. Uh, our commentators, um, telling the stories, our reporters who go in between the stages or right after the drives to the service park, to the teams, 
to find out what what's the strategy, what's what's happening behind the scenes. All this together really makes the program and the storytelling, I think. I'm guessing, um, and again, a generational thing here, it's rude to ask anybody their age, but I'm 45, okay? And so I'm kind of, I suppose, I'm at the generation of, yeah, I kind of get social media and I'm on it and I use it and everything else, but I'm probably not as invested in it as perhaps a generation before me. I'm guessing social media now is such a big part of, of, of the presence, going back to what you were saying before, because you can have that. 30 second clip of a stage end of a driver being upset or a driver putting that straight and you can immediately put that out so i'm guessing it's it's such an important part now of the whole package and again back to that point in telling the story oh absolutely and i mean social media is the best uh promotional tool to reach a wide audience and to promote our championship um because even if you're not a hardcore rally fan the the, the moments and uh, the, the little clips we push out, they are so spectacular that you don't have to be a motorsport fan. You just need to be a regular sports fan or just interested in in good action or news and, and really will be relevant for you. So social media is, is a tool for us to reach audiences and reach people with this incredible sport who have never heard of rallying before maybe. And so, in the ideal case, to make them rally fans. Do you think that's the other thing, the, the other big announcement that's happened in the UK? And sorry to our listeners for going a little bit UK-centric on this, of course, is the announcement of the, the, the free-to-air program, uh, which is going to be on terrestrial TV, back on ITV4 here in, in the UK. Is that why it's important that each of the, all the regions, I guess, do have the free-to-air to, to suppose, flirt with the idea of, of people committing a little bit more time and seeking out more and perhaps going to all live because they've liked that package. Oh, absolutely. I mean, on social media, you see moments, you just see a glimpse what has happened at the rally, but the programs like, like the one on, on ITV4 is a really comprehensive magazine program of what happened at the rallies. So we put a lot of time and a lot of effort in the programs to make them really nice and mainstream appealing. So we do explain rally. We do introduce the drivers on, in a very personal way. We do have tech features in there where we explain um, all the the technical things at a rally, would, which are for the scene or the community, you know, quite quite normal, quite basics, but for a wider audience, absolutely new. And we try to explain them in a way that even for hardcore fans, they still learn something. Understeering, oversteering, um, how the arrow works. There are so many details of the cars. And I mean, these cars are absolute um, a masterpiece of technology. And to, to really show all the different parts, that's something what, what is very interesting and very relevant for the hardcore fans, but also for a mainstream audience. And that's how we produce those uh, those magazine programs, which will air on on ITV4 in the UK. Which is fantastic, as I say, for for, for rally fans as well. But if if I can ask you a couple more, one one more thing. But by the way, before we move away from this, my wife demands an apology from all at all live um, for taking me away for best part of weekends. 
So uh, f- if I can get an official apology for that, would be great. Uh, <laughs> I, I can I can give you an official apology for this, and be- believe me, you're not the first one. <laughs> I can well with, imagine. With all life, our fans, you know, we have a global, very active community, and the messages we we get coming in are just incredible. Where where really people say. All life is is so great, but uh, I just lost my job because I had to watch all life the whole Friday, or uh, my, my my wife uh, just uh, wanted the, uh, to get divorced because I'm doing nothing else than watching all life, which yeah. is you know yeah. a, a compliment. But um, ob- obviously, sometimes life is life is bigger than than all life, but. Yeah. Not to me, Florian. Not to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. And let, let me tell you one thing about All Life. I was surprised about this feedback because going back three years when we designed All Life, the idea from the beginning on was never that we expect all the fans to watch 25 or 30 hours of live, live action. But we wanted to design a program where whenever you have a coffee break, whenever you have a lunch break, Whenever you know, now it gets relevant for you because your favorite driver is on the stage. You take your mobile phone, tune in the app, uh, watch 5, 10, 15 minutes, however your break, uh, break allows, watch how, how the rally is, is unfolding and then go back to work and then two hours later come back. And that was the original idea after the first year when we got all the feedback from the fans that they keep on watching 25 <laughs> hours through. We were really surprised and also we adapted our program for year two because we had not expected in year one that so many people just keep on watching the whole weekend. Well, that neatly brings me to what can we expect for for, for this year? And I suppose what, what is the future? What can you tell us about the next phase, I suppose, of All Live without giving too much away? Um, one of the next phases and what, what I can promise for this season is to keep the high quality, what we had, what we had last year already. Um, we have, uh, introduced new, um, new, new production ways. So what the fans will see across the weekends is also more live coverage or of the, uh, our action crews. So we will have more line cuts. Um, across the weekend, um, and yeah, and uh, just just basically being uh, yeah being there where the action happens. Um, we we have new new onboard angles. Uh, we have um, we have the 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 same helicopter technology as as last year, and yeah, we we just wanna want to transmit the series or the whole season as, as, as close as possible again and uh, yeah and just surprise the fans again fantastic fantastic listen I could talk to you about this stuff for, for, for hours um, but we've we, we've done more than the time that I said so I thank you so much for your time and I thank you so much for your hard work and to all the guys of course behind the scenes we know who's in front of the camera but I know there's an army of people behind the cameras as well so so our thanks to them as, as rally fans for, for all their hard work and of course to yours and uh, we wish you a fantastic 2020 thank you very much and I tell you it means the world for the team who work work endless hours and very, very hard. So all the feedback they get, just a nice word about the camera work, they absolutely appreciate it. And 
and they're all everybody who works as this team uh, at this team is a really hardcore rally fan they absolutely love this sport even if they didn't know about it before but the moment they joined they all absolutely love it and will give give it absolutely everything to to produce the best best possible product fantastic that is so great to hear um listen florian thank you so much for your time folks uh, we'll be back after this break uh with rich milner this is absolute rally Ireland's leading commercial note supplier, Killian Duffy, has joined forces with 2016 British Rally Champion Craig Parry to form On The Pace Note UK. For more information, visit the website onthepacenote.co.uk. Welcome back to Absolute Rally. Pull away, pull away the smoke and mirrors and everything else. We're recording this bit with... Uh, I can't call you Grizzly anymore, Rich. I can't. Well, you can. can I? We've got Grizzly Rich Miller yeah. with us, of course. Team principal at M Sport. We should be, be, probably be slightly more, slightly more respectful now, Rich. But uh, welcome back to Absolute Rally, anyway. Thank you very much. So this is our, our first proper week after the after the break. So it's a couple of weeks before Monty, but obviously the driver lineups uh, have been announced. Um, obviously, you've now got your your full squad. Um, happy with your squad for the first coming season? Uh, yeah, I think so. I can't really say anything else, although that'd be pretty bad news, wouldn't it? But uh, <laughs> I think no, we're very happy with what we've got. You know, we as soon as uh, as soon as we knew Elvis was over Toyota, we we had to fill it with someone that we we trusted and thought had the potential to fill that gap. And uh, both Malcolm and myself maybe kind of only jumped at one name. Um, obviously, especially after the Citroen um, uh, withdrawal from the championship. And uh, it was really, yeah, really good for us to navigate all this because I think um, having been in is obviously great, and we want to from where we left last year, but we also wanted a slightly older and uh, experienced driver as well, while still being young at the same time, to come in and help lead the team. Because we've seen before, if you have two very young drivers, it can, can often be a big learning curve for them as well. So having someone there. With the experience levels up a little bit, allows them to bounce ideas off each other and uh, take a bit of good knowledge from that. So it's pretty much all started into what we wanted. Um, hopefully, we can show ourselves to have you know, much in a week's time. I was trying to remember really what came first. We like the chicken and egg situation. If we can just talk about our departed drivers as well. Obviously, were you there before Elvin or was Elvin there before you? Yeah, it was almost exactly the same time, to be honest. He I started doing the championship, uh, Fiesta Championship. This is the year I started um, doing the coordinator job for it. So, yeah, I've known him since right at the very beginning, really. Um, and we both went very different directions. Both come out the end, still here, and still doing what we were to do. So that's been really nice to see him. To watch him. I th- you know, he's got his I said, Go for it. Deserve it, and he worked hard for it, and it's an opportunity for him. So, well, I think we're all very happy to hear M4 to be seen now as one of the drivers that can fight for a championship. I think you know I've, I've spoke about it throughout 2019 on the podcast as well. It is that kind of it's almost it's it, it's it's touched almost dare I say by the hand of God. If you go through M Sport 
as a driver, you, you think about now the, 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 the driver lineups across the board and most of them, in fact, all of them have had, you know, the, the touch of M Sport at some point in their career, which has kind of pushed them on. All the way to the top and having successful careers from it at the end. So, you know, it shows that we have this very good ladder opportunity. And, and to be fair to the FIA, there is a journey you can build your career over. And become people that are wanted by the manufacturers. And I think Elvin is probably the top level person that's, that's done that so far. Um, and he's kind of, you know, I think even before Citroen drew, we, we knew that Toyota or someone would be interested in him. Um, when Citroen News came out, I think before that, there was still interest from other manufacturers, especially when we left. Um, that straight away someone else is possible to replace him. So yeah, that's great for him. But for us to see that how development works, but it will be a to swallow when you lose it from your team. You know that you're probably getting to the point where he's going to be. That's going to be his chance, and he's probably at the top of his game at the moment. But that's reality, and there's no point in moving about it or looking back on it. It's done, it's agreed, and, and then we, we've now got a really good replacement in, in Especa to join Alton. I think the, the, the other thing is as well is that, you know, kind of moving forward, um, sometimes, you know, bringing somebody in from, from outside, you only have to look, of course, what happened when, you know, I'm not, I'm not there in comparing, but when Sebastian Auger came in, you know, he came in and had ideas as well. And obviously you would like to think that, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's already started to happen, you know, Escapec has come in with his ideas as well, you know, from a, from you know driving for two other manufacturers. Yeah, it's good to have someone with a kind of background of two other cars that still we're still within that um, window of the regulations, that homologation period. So it's great to have feedback on two different types of cars, and uh, you know what we've seen so far, which is only the Monte Carlo test, really. He's positive, and he seems very relaxed and happy in the car already. And we think as a team, we're a team that will be quite easy for him to get on. Uh, you know, he's effectively leading the team, which is probably a position he hasn't had before, so you know, he's got to step up as well. But at the same time, that gives you a good opportunity to help develop the team around how he wants us to be. Um, but you know, I think, like I said uh, before, you know, when Seb came, we weren't uh, actually a million miles away from where the other teams are anyway. We just had him to confirm that for us which was really nice to know that, that we were operating at a good level regardless of, of where we were in the championship um, and yeah we made a couple of small things and enabled us to win two championships but now we're still operating at that same level since he's left so I don't think any of the other teams would be able to make massive gains on us um, we're still constantly developing ideas and pushing forward and hopefully along with EP's contribution and let's not forget Gus and um, Tino as well then we can work together to get a really good performance and we won manufactured down which is a real shame for the championship but it means that you know we, we I think we can still um, be competitive in manufactured championship and even not the championship so there's no reason why we can't do well this year as well I think there's you know there's 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 so many things being said, but of course, Rich, you, you've you've been around you know long enough. I've been around long enough. You know, I was working in the championship when there was only Citroen and there was only Ford, which obviously is now you know M Sport Ford. But um, I, this it can't we, we can't lose sight of what it is to what 
what both Citroen and Ford did for the World Rally Championship because I think if, if either of them would have pulled back in that period of time, I don't think we'd have the championship we had today. Yeah, you know, and um, Sport now especially has has done a huge amount to keep keep the team in the championship, and then you know you've got a constant person or a constant team and manufacturer there to have a have a good championship against. But it's very, yeah, it, it was a very sad way that Citroen last year, and uh, you know, we said they don't fully agree with the way that they've been portrayed in the media. I think that's quite unfair on them. Um, you know, it's not like anybody within that team was purposefully trying to have a car that wasn't performing or cause a problem that meant, you know, they couldn't win a world championship. But uh, having been on the inside of a team, I know that every single person in WRC is pushing as hard as they can for their own company because they want to win. Um, so, yeah, I think that was really badly uh, and unfairly dealt with. But unfortunately, well, that, that situation has forced a withdrawal from the championship and we're down a manufacturer. And the reality is, if we lose, if we were to lose one more, then it, it becomes questionable whether it is a championship. And that's when it becomes very difficult. So, you know, and Sport is really in a tough position to find the, the budget to go and do these these full seasons, um, especially when there's more long haul events being added all the time. But that's the reality of where the championship is, and you know we've worked hard to find a way to be able to compete. And um, you know, yeah, Gus is taking the next step of his career, and um, or helping him as much as possible. But you know, there is you, know, you have to have something available to do these kind of things, and we're lucky that at the moment we've got a really good group of drivers and we have found the budget available to um, to go and compete for these for these uh, events with the majority of three cars in WRC so that's really promising for us we've got some R5 drivers as well but you know we need to keep all these customers here so that to ensure that we can be in the championship in the bigger picture that allows the championship to, to still continue so um, I think you've seen it I suppose you know and the the, the other the other thing which I did quite a lot last year and um, is I, my I've still got a love of football as well and I, I used I used the analogy of football managers quite a bit probably off the back of of, of what went on with 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 with, with Hyundai and Adamo and obviously having different drivers coming in and stuff like that. Do, do you ever cast occasionally kind of glance across the service park and you think uh, I'm not too sure whether I'd like that program or I'd like to have more drivers where I can pick specialists as well. Uh, money can't buy you everything I think is what is probably the way I'd look at it um, it can certainly help but a good uh, a good team spirit and um, a good hierarchy and clear vision of what you want to achieve will always make you more successful in my in my view uh, having four very good drivers like let's say I and I have is great but uh, that does bring its own problems um, and own challenges but again, the other way to look at it is the more the more top level drivers you have, the higher percentages you give yourself of winning championships. So it's a, a double edged sword in some ways. But we're very uh, we're very happy with the way we're approaching it. You know, we've got EP leading the team. We've got team there on a good full years experience now and still capable of backing his teammate up and winning his own rallies uh, and scoring podiums. And then we've got Gus who did uh, three fantastic performances as far as we could concern last year who is not going to be scared of giving it a try this year so you know we have a pretty straightforward plan and we the whole team works together and we all share the information there's no hiding anything there's no, there's no people being uh, privileged over anyone else um, and then we'll see how we go once the season starts but you know 
the other teams have their own problems or advantages, like you say, you know, sometimes you look over and you think you'd like that issue, and sometimes you look over and think, no thanks, I'm all right where we are. But um, yeah, I think we're pretty, we're in a good position. Brilliant. How, knowing you the way I know you, how did you look back on, on your 2019? It was a tough, you know, it was always going to be a tough first first year as team principal anyway. Obviously, you, you'd lost a multiple world champion. You were stepping into big shoes of Malcolm. And then obviously, Elvin had his problems as well. So he missed some rallies and things like that, as you've already mentioned. But how, how did you look back on your first year? Was it everything you expected, more you expected? Or, or are you going to be packing some additional headache tablets this year on your long hauls? <laughs> well, I'm getting older and older every year, so you take more and more headache tablets with you. But um, the first quarter was fantastic. You know, a bit of a dream, really. You know, uh, three, four podiums, whatever we had. Then we were close to that winning Gorska. Um, then we went through a tough patch with uh, with Elvin missing. Um, and then we had a bit of a spike here and there on the odd rally like GB, which is really good. But this, this, the last third of the season wasn't probably as good as we'd hoped. Um, obviously, Australia, I think we thought we'd be in a good position to try and have a solid result. And we had uh, Hayden going there and we were just, you know, there was nothing for us to, to fight for apart from the win. So that was a shame that that couldn't happen. But you know, looking back now, it was completely the right decision considering everything that's been going on the last few months. Um, but yeah, the last third was, you know, for me personally, the first quarter was a bit of a rabbit in the headlights type thing, which is not kind of being unsure what I'm doing, but just getting your head around how everything works and working out how uh, Malcolm and myself are going to kind of split the roles and um, do things like that way. Over the course of the season, that's got a little bit more clear and easy for us both. And now I think going into next year, a lot of that uncertainty or those danger roles slightly is, is cleared up now. We, you know, you've fallen into that kind of rhythm of how you make things work and what we need to do. So I hope um, that we just jump into Monte Carlo, um, both feet. Uh, both feet running, as you say, and then get some good results and work together as the, and get the team on side and get him as much. Uh, advantages in testing in the car as we can because obviously that's the biggest thing for him um, and just do what we know we can do and there's no there's no more skill to it than that really but just do the best we can got a car that we can deliver so um, give the drivers what they need and then let, leave it up to them Fantastic, listen Rich, uh, I'm going to let you carry on because this is your first day back in the business so I'm very, very aware of that but uh, before things start to get a little bit nuts I do appreciate your time coming on uh, to kind of, we haven't really spoke about Monte Carlo because it still feels like a couple of weeks away but uh, we'll have some other bits and pieces um, around the podcast anyway with regards to Monte Carlo but uh, I just want to look back on your season from last year and obviously wish you good luck for this one Rich No problem and thanks very much Folks, we'll be back after this break this is Absolute Rally. Absolute Rally continues to be partnered by the Kielder Works team, who remain fully committed to the sport and are pioneers of the latest technology. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for all forms of competitive action. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Welcome back to the final section of Absolute Rally. It has been 
great to bring the podcast back obviously i hope you've enjoyed it so far if you are enjoying it and i keep saying this as well i know i've kind of bang on about it if you could rate review and share about and also subscribe to the podcast subscriptions really do make it a massive difference to us as well anyway um speaking of subscriptions although that is a really really poor link uh it's a man that i know subscribes to the podcast because he's a good mate of mine craig parry welcome back to absolute rally how are you? We're all good. We're all good. We're just blowing up the cobwebs from Christmas and just getting back into the swing of things. About how about you? Same same deal. Oh, oh very much so. Yeah, it's uh, but it hasn't really stopped to be honest. Over Christmas, it's uh, it's all still been ongoing. Um, obviously, looking forward to this year, really. Well, it was a cracking first year. Obviously, um, you know yourself and Killian joined together. I suppose a little over a year ago now when obviously your circumstances changed and you, you, you know you've you've kind of gone at it hammer and tong so to speak uh with you know with regards to supplying you know notes and things like that and that really has probably blossomed beyond where you thought it would do inside 12 months i'm guessing oh it's it the response we've had has been way beyond anything we could have ever expected before we'd even you know started this i mean this time last year we we sort of had seven events with the the welsh championship and didn't really know how that was going to go or how we would have been perceived but even from the first event the cambrian uh last year the uptake was really good i think we had started off with like 40 odd sales straight away so it was like you know then with the sort of numbers we were hoping for towards the end of the season but every rally just grew and grew um and then we finished we finished the year with nearly 20 events i think under the belt wow. so it yeah yeah it, it it grew um way faster than what we ever anticipated it would have done the other thing, obviously, the, the big thing, I think what you guys did, obviously, was was, was putting back and, and trying to, I suppose, help juniors as well. Obviously, you ran workshops for co-drivers. I know, obviously, yourself and, and Jamie Edwards was doing those as well. And, and you know, there was very much an emphasis on, uh, as well as supplying notes, also kind of helping, you know, both young co-drivers and drivers in fairness uh, kind of get started. And, and, you know, there was a lot, there was a lot kind of, 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 of you paying your dues and, and paying back, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, sort of coming up through the ranks myself, um, there was never always the, the option of, or, or, you know, the advice or somewhere to go. I mean, I was quite fortunate with sort of having Phil Mills on and over the earlier part of my career to sort of gain the advice and that. Um, but when I sort of started looking for people to do jobs or you'd have seats that turn up, it was always quite apparent that maybe the experience wasn't quite there with some that you thought and then looking deeper into it there was nowhere really other than the motorsport uk academy thing which is obviously a very um selected uh sort of member that, that they choose themselves specifically in the aim to try and get professional co-drivers and whatnot but there was nothing ever available for young co-drivers to go to or even drivers for advice and stuff and that was sort of the the basis of um, starting the junior scheme up um, and obviously trying to help the Welsh Championship as well, you know, give them some uh, kind of incentive to get juniors on board with the Championship. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of worked well. And, you know, we tried to bring different incentives to the days as well. Like we had uh, Gus Greensmith there on the first day up in Sweet Lamb and Elvin Evans came to the second day um, up by Brennig there. And, you know, we did some 
medical training and then Jason Pritchard and Oshan Price did some driver training on, on both of the days and stuff. So, you know, we try to get current people involved that, that these younger guys are probably looking at and looking up to and trying to get a bit of inspiration from and obviously to draw their experience back as well, which I think is is quite important in the sport today is to have current people sort of teaching the way forward. No, it's got, it's, and it's great, and obviously all, all all the people that you have got involved, you know, they've done, as you say, they've done their bit, they've paid, paid their dues back as well, because, you know, they were probably in the same position as you, similar age group and stuff like that, and, you know, trying to find that way, and it's 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 great that, you know, those guys are there, but it's also, you know, I think it's a testament to, to yourself as well that, you know, you, you, you put this together, and, and, you know, I think what you've got planned for 2020, which has already been announced, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna steal your thunder, it's, you know, 2020, you, you're building on that again, aren't you? Yeah, we have, um, you know, we'll have sort of a two-tier um, approach to it this year, obviously, with the guys that went through it last year, they'll have the option to come back, and then we'll sort of do some uh, more advanced stuff, and, and certainly more towards, like, um, the fitness side of things, and certainly pace notes, so there'll be a bit more pace note training, and for drivers and co-drivers as well. Um, the prize scheme, we've, we've still got the drive for... Um, courtesy of PCRS as well, Philip Case there over in Ireland, he's he's put the prize back up for the test for the winning juniors, and um, we've actually got Hyundai Motorsport involved with the the co-driver prize. So the the co-drivers that win will go to the official Hyundai Motorsport test before Rally GB. Um, I mean, whichever drivers there, they're not going to be just you know, a bad driver with the lineup they've got. <laughs> or, you know, whoever, whichever day they manage to get on, you know, there's going to be somebody of an interest to them. Um, and, and, you know, very, very much appreciative of Alan Panas for um, giving us that, that, that prize as well. So that helps with the marketing. Um, we've managed to open it up as well to the BTRDA and the Fiesta ST trophy as well as obviously carrying on our uh, collaboration with the Welsh Championship as well. So so the idea is is to try and build numbers. So so we you know we're trying to get a bit of a uh, a family kind of orientated type thing I suppose is the best way to to describe it. So you know if if people join any of the championships they're open to the training days we supply throughout the year which will be three again. Um, and then obviously there's a prize for each championship, so not just one test. There's actually three three tests available. Um, obviously one person could only win one prize from each one, like. But um, so yeah, so we've just tried to move forward with that and trying to build it on top. Obviously there's, there's probably a lot more workload in it now with the two tier type of thing, but it's the idea I had at the start of last year, and fortunately enough, it's it's all fitting into plan and and going as I sort of envisaged it would um, so we just hope that it's uh, as good an uptake this year as it was last year and we gain a few more numbers with the juniors and, and make the days uh, a success again Like so that's where we're aiming for I think you know I, I, I genuinely do think it's fantastic and, and you know the, the the fact of the matter is, is that, uh, you know, for, from, from, from your point of view, obviously it gives you a focus as well and, and looking at Looking forward, I suppose, what you and Killian did in 2019. What's 2020 looking at, looking like? Because obviously you started 
2019 with seven events and you end up doing 20. What's what's 2020 ironically looking like numbers wise? <laughs> Nearly what 20 plus 20 is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, again, it's grown um, even more from last year, you know, and, and we're actually getting events now contacting us to um, supply the notes, and, and obviously we brought the, the safety trackers onto the on, onto the UK market as well, um, which we've gone in alignment with Sport Tracks, which is a renowned um, motorsport tracking company um, with Wolfgang there, based in Italy. Uh and I first met Wolfgang back in like 2003 when I was competing in the Middle East there. So, you know, he's, he's run championships, still runs the Middle East championship with, um, with the safety trackers. Plus he's had a few years in the European championship and he does a lot of the, the rally raid stuff as well as that. So, so yeah, we had a few events last year where we tested them on, um, Mo Bay rally, uh, Molten rally and Jim Clark as well. And they were massive success. Um, so they've they've already rebooked and and again the interest in them has been phenomenal. So, but the, you know the the notes and the trackers kind of work hand in hand as well. So we're on the event, we have to do the pre-event stuff beforehand and that. So it it just yeah it just works together really really well. So fantastic, fantastic. So. Uh, Events-wise, we're looking at more than double what you had planned this time last year. Um, obviously, you're also going to be a busy man in the World Rally Championship as well. It's fair to say you, 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 you've been continually involved last year, of course, doing gravel notes, etc. But you, you, you're back there this year as well. Uh, you know, a new team as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, slight change of scenery. Um yeah, the opportunity came up to work with uh, Toyota and uh, Katsuta and obviously Dan Barrett. Um, so I, I took the opportunity just to have a change of scenery, like I say, and see how another team works and that. You know, it's, I've been on the M Sport side for a few years now, and uh, and it's been fantastic working with them. You know, they've they've I've learned a lot while while being under the M Sport umbrella. Um, but yeah, just for myself, really, it's 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 a different challenge, and uh, we're heading to Monte Carlo um, Sunday, I think. So, um, doing gravel notes there for Taco with Johanan. I've never worked with you all before, so that's another uh, new experience for me and stuff. So, um, and then we obviously do Germany, and then we finish the year off in Japan as well, which was uh, an- <laughs> another reason. Another reason to make the change, obviously, it's a nice, nice one to finish the year off, and it's just before Christmas and stuff like that. So, so yeah, still keeping me toe in the water in the the WRC bubble, if you like, with um, with regards to the gravel work, and it's something I enjoy. So, it it works in the calendar. So why not? We'll go and uh, go and have a crack. I think that is still as well. Uh, with with all the stuff you do with juniors and stuff, and again, you you mentioned it before about the guys that you've kind of had involved, you know, people that that that, that you know drivers etc. That people have looked to. I think the fact that you're still you're still doing what you're doing and you're working with these teams as well, you know, it's 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 almost like a no brainer. You know, any young co-driver in the UK right now who isn't kind of looking to this type of stuff really needs to go and have a quiet word with themselves, in my honest opinion, because. There's so much good help 
for you know i i know what people you know because i've been guilty of it you know people spend a fortune on driver coaching and stuff like that and you know co-driver coaching is not something which perhaps has really been tapped into enough and all of a sudden you're you're kind of opening the floodgates to all this experience that you've got which is still you're still getting experience as well so you're you're still adding to your portfolio it's not like you've you 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 know you you're you're you've hit the limits of your knowledge as well you're still adding to your knowledge again by going to a new team working with a new driver uh, and you know uh, things like that i just think you know for, for any young driver out there how how how's the best way of, of kind of getting in contact with you if you know if they're not doing the championships craig what's the best way of, of kind of going um, down that route well i mean you know there's obviously the facebook page with either on the page not uk or or my personal facebook page there um if you're on any of the events i mean we're covering a lot of events this year and stuff so we're open to have a revamped uh, website up soon enough, which will have a calendar of all the dates that we're doing and and uh, for the notes and, and and that sort of thing. But yeah, I I don't think I'm a very difficult person to get hold of these days. Um, <laughs> my, my contacts seem to be out and about, you know, fairly regular and that. So so yeah, again, any sort of interest in that sort of thing. Like I've done a few. Um, co-driver sort of training over the year and that we did some courses and, and little bits and pieces and I've done quite a few one-to-one type of things but yeah it we can work with whatever whatever the sort of criteria is or where people want to go or even if people just have questions and and want to get a bit of advice you know it's we're, we're fairly I'm fairly accessible and and sort of approachable so just get in touch I'm sure we can help out in one way shape or form I can confirm Craig is not as scary as he looks I can yes, say I that. Head for radio, that's for sure. <laughs> you and me both, brother. You and me both. Listen, mate. Uh, I, I wish you the best for for your second year, and that you know what a fantastic first year you had with Killian. And obviously, I can only wish you uh, even more success in 2020. And obviously, uh, you guys obviously uh, are featured in our podcast every week when it goes out. You will be coming back on a bit more regular basis this year, so we'll be doing some updates and things like that a little bit uh, later on in the year so uh so go and have a safe monty uh you've just mentioned you're going out there sunday we're recording this folks uh a couple of weeks before monty as you've probably figured out because everybody going to monty is already would already be in monty when i normally record the podcast so we're, we're cheating a little bit so uh so yeah so some of the people you've heard this has been recorded well in advance to monty because trying to get people monty week is tantamount to impossible so there you go uh craig have a safe trip my friend enjoy monte carlo enjoy the first quarter of this year and we'll catch up with you in a few months time okay wonderful thank you very much Tony. fantastic stuff folks we really do appreciate you coming back and and welcome us back into your your ear holes so to speak um and uh, yeah please spread the love spread the word we are back uh, as ever 10 weeks and then we have our little cheeky breaks and then another 10 weeks again and um yeah just keep spreading the love keep spreading the word if you can hit the subscribe button it really really does help as do those reviews if the five star we'll love you forever um but we will be back same time same place in your little podcast hole next week absolute rally powered by the keel the works team spread the word and download the podcast every week